Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bottom, here with my co-host, Dean Manchi. And we're continuing our discussion on in-season training. For those of you that missed episodes, I believe it's 19 and 20. Um, the first episode there on in-season training was more on the importance of it, the value, uh, why you should be doing it, why all athletes should be doing it. Episode two of this this little three-part series that we have. And who knows, we, we keep adding series here, Dean. We may, uh, we may get to a part four here, but uh, our second part of it was more the implementation and, and exercise selection and, and how you go about getting to your in-season. And today, you know, we really want to hit on, you know, finishing through the season, peaking, tapering, you know, making sure you maximize your in-season program based on your sport and things like that. And I think before we really dive into this, Dean, and I let you kind of take the mic from me here is I want to make sure, you know, all, all strength coaches and, and sport coaches out there understand we're trying to give you perspective and we're also trying to make you think a little for yourself. Uh, we're giving you over 50 years of experience in a weight room, what we've seen, what we've seen at the highest level, both, you know, at the high school level and at the college level, and even in the in the private sector of, of how you handle kids in the in season. And I think Dean, in, in our off kind of time here, when we talked, there's really no one size fits all program. Otherwise, everybody be doing it. Now, I have my beliefs on what I like to use. You have your beliefs on what you like to use. Buddy Morris has his beliefs on what he likes to use. Um, you know, Ben Herbert at Michigan likes what he likes to use. And so and, and Lewis, and so and so and so. I think the message that we're trying to get across to all of our sport coaches, all of our strength coaches, all of our athletes, you have to use the tools that are best for your athlete, best for your program, and best for your situation. You can't just copy what I've done. You can't just copy what Dean's done. Now, you know, we got a, a great message from Jason and Menominee about you know doing some educational work with with their high school and we've gotten many other messages from various coaches and we love educating on it but you just can't copy a scenario and even for us dean and i'm gonna let you take this here and run with it in-season programs that we've done have changed over the course of the years and it's because you know things evolve kids evolve every year is different and so we really want to make sure that you understand this point that as you're working on peaking your athletes, you can't do it the same every year because every season is different. Every athlete's different and you have to have the growth mindset, both as a sport coach and as a strength coach that you have to stay on top of all the things that are happening in science, in sports, in training, things like that to give your athletes the best opportunity. Brian, those are all really good points. And one of the biggest things I've seen over my coaching career is a lot of coaches, they'll go to a clinic or they'll go to a seminar and, and they'll see somebody speak and right away, they want to do it the way that they did it. And the biggest thing about what we're trying to preach through our podcast is everybody's situation is different. The facilities are different. The kids are different. You know, there's so many different things that go in. There's a million books on peak performance out there. You can Google and tapering and all that kind of stuff. But you really have to make sure that you can get some insight and then take this information, take this knowledge 
and then do what you think is best for your program. And that was the thing that was really difficult for me to understand. When I was a young strength coach, it was like, I just thought there was a one size fits all, that there was a program and everybody was going to do this same program. And it was just that easy. And we know it is definitely not that easy. Kids nowadays are totally different than they were 20 years ago. You know, we see them with the cell phone and we see a lot of the pressures of high school athletics nowadays is much different than it was years ago. Programs are evolving. Facilities are evolving. Kids are getting a lot stronger. Kids are playing a lot more. They're getting so many different things thrown at them. So all those, I think, are just huge points when we went over the importance of part one, hey, is everybody's got to do an in-season program. And you are the expert in the weight room. And you, as a strength coach, must make sure you're working with the sport coach. Too many times there, there, there's friction. And we have to remember, we said it before, Brian, you said it. It's all about the athletes here. We're trying to do what's best for all the athletes. And in implementation, hey, a lot of it's just common sense, right? Keep it simple. We cannot do a ton of volume on the court, the field, the diamond track, and we can't do the same thing like an off-season program in the weight room because there's only so much gas in the tank. We talked about that. So, you know, keeping that intensity high, keeping the volume low, just some basic things. You can look at your sports schedule and maybe you're playing three games this week and maybe you're playing one and that might change how you're thinking about doing it. Maybe you have the facility in the morning and maybe you're going to lift before practice, or sometimes you're going to lift after practice. A lot of these things will determine what you do during that in-season weight program. Now we're talking tapering and we're talking peaking. There's lots of different ways uh, that we can go ahead and get going on this, Brian. Well, Dean, I think as we, as we get into this conversation um, and we look at it, I think that the first word you know, that we have to look, well, there's probably two words that they go together. And we talked about it a little bit in our, our, our second part of this is volume um, and also fatigue as you start to get to the end of the season, right? Everybody, and I, you know, I'm going to be real with everybody here just for a minute here, okay? You play sports to win championships, okay? Um, there's so many lessons you can learn from sports. Uh, there's so many great things for sports, but you play sports and you coach because you want to win championships. You know, that's, that's why you compete, okay? Otherwise, they wouldn't keep score, okay? So it's our job as a coach to give the athletes, whether we're a sport coach, strength coach, however, our job is to give the athletes the best opportunity to put them in a scenario where they can win a championship, okay? Which means that they have to be playing at their best at the end of the season, whether it's conference championship, whether it's state championship, whether it's national championship, whatever it is, our job is to, is to get them ready so when that big moment hits them, they can produce at the highest level. And if your athletes are overly fatigued, if you put too much volume in your, in your workouts, things like that, they're going to show signs of that as they're, as they're getting through the season. So I think the first thing that we have to look at as we go through the season is being really in touch with your kids, okay? Having conversations with them on a regular basis, watching them. We talked a little bit about it in our last episode. How do they walk into the weight room? Do they got a little bounce in their step? Do they got some shoulders that are forward with their heads down? 
Um, do they look like they just rolled out of bed? Do they look like they've lost weight? You know, all of these things are signs of fatigue. One of the things that we do uh, at my facility and things that I've done before is, you know, we look at some different, you know, easy physiological tests, a jump mat, you know, has their vertical jump gone down significantly? Um, things like that. So coaches, the first thing that you have to look for in your athletes, if you're trying to peak them is how fatigued they are and, and knowing then what the schedule lies ahead. So you can start to make sure you end the season on the right note. You know, one thing that's worked really good for us is, you know, we like to weigh kids in. We were doing this at Wisconsin when I was down there as an intern 27, 28 years ago. You know, kids are weighing themselves in. All of a sudden, week five of the football season now, you know, where's your weight at? You know, and a lot of times kids are going to be down five pounds down. So you really have to educate those kids and making sure they're hydrating, make sure they're getting enough food. Because like right now, we start school next Wednesday and it's a whole different routine for these kids. So we try to do whatever we can to help these kids not get hurt or lessen the degree of the injury and increase athletic performance, those athletes need to be getting in a different routine right now. If you're used to staying up till midnight and you don't have practice till nine o'clock in the morning right now, and now school's going to start at 7.30, you have to start preparing right now. And you have to start going to bed earlier so you keep getting enough sleep in there and your body slowly adjusts instead of boom, I'm just going to change the night before. That's just not how the body reacts. So you have to do whatever you can to take those stressors out of that situation. The biggest thing I've seen is when it comes to postseason, Brian, is coaches, because the games are higher stakes, the practices become longer Panic. and they become harder. And now the kids are on their feet more and more and more. And when we think of the word taper, we're thinking, we think of that in the weight room. We think of it in sport is hey, the practices should be less. They should be more quality and the kids are out of there even quicker. And, you know, when I worked at Wisconsin with John Detman, we've both worked with John. The three words he would always say to me, okay, and he would use it with our combine guys a lot, but even at the end of the season, rested, fresh, healthy. The teams and the athletes that are the most rested, that are the freshest, and that are the healthiest, okay? Again, another plug for in-season training and injury prevention, okay, usually are the ones that have the most success. We know this watching, you know, professional sports. We watch this with the NBA, okay? And, you know, to all the ESPN and all the other syndicates out there that want to, you know, you know, knock on the on the Bucks because everybody else got hurt. Too bad, that's sports, okay? The Bucks won their championship, but the Bucks won their championship because they were the freshest and they were the healthiest. And we just, we just got done watching it, okay? And it's the same thing in high school sports. It's the same thing in college sports. It's the same thing in youth sports. You see it in youth sports, okay? Best athlete twists his ankle in, in the semifinal of an of a AAU basketball game. What happens? The team doesn't win their championship. Why? Because best player's not there, okay? Also happens if kids aren't getting enough rest, if we're over-conditioning them, if we have too much volume in the weight room, you know, things like that. 
So those three words, coaches, sport coaches, remember this. If you're a basketball coach and it's February, rested, fresh, healthy. Football coaches in Wisconsin, you're, if you're playing it in November, rested, fresh, healthy. We know this, Dean, as strength coaches, what's the first thing we do as we start getting into the playoffs, as we start you know, getting closer to the Big Ten Championship when we're at Wisconsin, when we're going to a bowl game, what are the first things we cut out? We cut out the volume. We shorten down the lift, okay? We get the meat and potatoes in. They're still lifting heavy. They're still doing their main exercises, okay? But we're getting them in and getting them out because, again, I would rather have a kid sleep in 15 more minutes, okay, than get that grinder workout because, you know, we, we're going to outwork this team. No, okay? When, when you line up against a team on a, on a Friday night, all right, all that other stuff goes away, okay? But if you're fatigued, that's, that's still with you. So rested, fresh, healthy. And most injuries, Brian, are going to occur in that fatigue state. Right. If you're really tired. Look at the research of all the sports out there. When most athletes get injured, it's right before a half or at the end of the quarter or at the end of the game. So that's why it's so important. And think about this, sport coaches. If it's all of a sudden you've been having two-hour practices and now it's postseason and now you're having a two-and-a-half-hour practice because it's postseason and it's a big game, you think the athletes are picking up on this, that the coaches are panicking? And athletes read the coaches. And if you're thinking, boy, we got to practice longer right away, that's killing my confidence as an athlete. I want to have a short, quick practice, feel good. If I didn't, if I don't know this material in a 14-week season or a 12-week season, I'm not going to know it then. An extra half hour of practice isn't going to get it done. And I remember what you said too, and with youth athletics, there's so many youth coaches out there, and you brought it up, and we've both been in this situation. And I was a youth coach at one time as well when I was coaching my son, is you know that when it's practice and if it's time is you're done at nine o'clock, you're done at nine o'clock. Right. It's not one more, one more half hour here. Parents are there picking up their kids, respect their time. Hey, I know it's difficult because we always think, Hey, we, we didn't get this done today. We got to get this in and all that, but you have to just assume, have confidence in that. You know what? There's going to be another practice. And we'll just hit on it there. And then as a sport coach, hey, I just got to organize my practice. And if I want to get this done in this time frame, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, whatever it is, then I have to pick the things that I feel are more important and put those earlier in my practice schedule. Right. And I think as you get into the season more, you know, as, as the season begins, what do you see a lot in, in, in a lot of, skill-based sports, right? It is individual skill work, right? But as the season lengthens, okay, shortening practice is easy. You knock out some of that individual work and then you just do team reps, you know, and even have walkthrough stuff, things like this. I think, Dean, the other thing that coaches really need to take note of is the kid's schedule, right? You're dealing with it at the high school level, right? You get into December and all of a sudden you have finals, the semester's ending. And same thing in college, right? We dealt with this 
in, in bowl prep where, you know, you get into the middle of December and kids are, they got finals that they got to take, or you got midterms, things like that. Well, guess what? Everybody else has the same stuff going on. And that's the first thing, sport coaches, strength coaches too. You know, we, you can't be giving your kids excuses or built-ins, you know, like, like you guys call it. Everybody's got to deal with it. So having a plan versus like, oh, you know, our kids are tired because they're up for finals. No, shorten practice up. Shorten your, shorten your lift up. You know what I mean? As long as you get your, your, your main stuff in, shorten it up. Give, them the, give the kids a little break. All right. Because it, it, again, we talked about this in our last podcast, once fatigue is, is over the top and the kids are, you know, they're really fatigued. It takes a lot to get them back to even that base at the beginning of the year. And the other thing that we hear a lot, and this is pretty synonymous with some older kind of coaches that have been doing things, you know, they don't want kids lifting because they're going to get tired during the season. And we've done two podcasts on this already. This is going to be our third one. Um, Look, all right, coaches, kids don't get tired from the weight room, okay? As long as strength coaches, you're constructing a plan that allows them to get in and lift heavy and lift fast, all right? It takes away some of the volume that they're getting in practice. So it goes back to communication, and it goes back to not blaming each other. If the kids are fatigued, there should be a plan through your whole organization, coaches, strength coaches, athletic trainers, um, parents, every, you know, educating parents. Hey, if your kid's downstairs playing video games at midnight, and he's got to lift at six, go downstairs and hey, get him to bed. If he wants to be a high, high achiever, um, and kids, athletes, that's on you too. Okay. You can't always use that. You're tired as an excuse. I think you, you discussed that in one of our earlier podcasting. If you're tired or you're sore, Hey, you're smart enough. There's the, you know, this thing I'm holding in my hand is called a phone. And there's it's www.google.com and then type in recovery for athletes. All right. And you, you can, you can find some things you can do at home. You can sit in an ice tub, you can buy Epsom salts, you can get a foam roller, you can, um, you can do visualization and meditation. There's so many things you can do, but everybody, you know, doesn't want to take ownership. And I think that's what it comes down to Dean. Take ownership for your own performance, for your team's performance, and things like that. And you eliminate those built-ins that, that come into the season and the blame. Sorry, you know, that fires me up. Man, a lot of coaches, what I've seen is, you know, so it's the more, 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 more mentality. Yeah. And the longer the practice, the better. And we have to realize, you know, high school athletes, I see some of these programs, you know, they'll have four or five hour practices. You know, you know, and it's just crazy. And, you know, coaches, we got to understand that, you know, these high school kids got a lot on their plates and, you know, more is not better. I would challenge coaches is try to have a short practice and get as much good quality time at the practice as a long practice. That has always been a goal. And in sport coaches, you got to read the kids, read the kids and find out what they're feeling. And then athletes, when it comes to getting ready, you got to read your body. You have to read your body. I always say the best ones know their body. And that's when they know to get extra foam rolling in. That's when they know to do this and that. Because 
that we talk about peak performance and tapering. Every textbook's going to tell you we're, we're, you're going to decrease the volume at the end of your season, come to peak. You're going to have the practices shorter. I see practices get longer when it's post-conference. And I see workouts staying the same, you know, and you have to taper that down a little bit, but it doesn't mean that the intensity has to drop. I've had many individuals, and as a sport coach, we have to understand that every athlete is different. I've seen some sports where it's more of an individual sport. I'll just use the sport track and field right now. And we've had athletes that are sprinters, jumpers, throwers, that they had to lift heavy before a big contest because that's what made them and their brain and their body feel the best. They felt confident. Right. They felt strong. So it's not only about your body, it's also about what your brain does. And if they had a great performance and they did some kind of workout before that, and their brain believes that that had something to do with that great performance, you keep doing that. Right. Keep doing it because obviously it works. And other people, hey, we got it. They, they can't go heavy before big meat because mentally, whatever the situation is, maybe they had a bad performance the year before. They don't perform well. So don't do that. Don't, don't force feed it. Have that person dictate, hey, what works best for you? Well, I like to go a little lighter here. Hey, shorter reps, but I'm moving that bar as fast as I can. More of a dynamic day. And they feel great and they perform really good. You know, so find out each athlete, find out what works for you. I always tell kids, hey, can you give me, a, when the kids ask me, can you give me a diet to lose weight? Can you give me an eating plan to gain weight? You know what? The best plan is the one that you're going to do that works for you. I can't, anybody can go there and Google a diet, a weight gain program, but if you're not going to do it, then it's useless. And that's the same thing with the weight room. So coaches got to understand that's the art of what we do. Read your athletes, read the team. Less is more when it comes to big contests. And Dean, you know, I can use uh, examples of when I was at Wisconsin and you, coaches, you have to be careful in, in scenarios like this. Um, you know, before the Big Ten championship game, you know, every now and then we, you know, like we talked about in our previous podcast, we would train on Thursdays and Coach B would would make the lift optional. Okay, which hits exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so a lot of times we would find that the skill kids, you know, for the most part, um, you know, would want to not come in or they would come in, you know, on their own and do a little, uh, you know, recovery work with, with Herbs and Jamil and myself, stuff like that. But we also found that the linemen, you know, and some other kids that, that you know, and I shouldn't say all skilled kids, I, I didn't mean to just put everybody in that one, one boat. Some kids, you know, they wanted to keep doing what they were doing because it's, it's a, it's a uh, schedule. It's a pattern. They're used to that. Um, I can use Ryan Groy as an example when he went to the NFL Combine. You know, he went down and he trained at a, at a place in California. Well, for like two or three days when they're at the combine, you know, they go and they do all their physical stuff and things like that. He needed to lift. 
You know, he was like, I know I'm running on a Saturday or Sunday, but I'm still, my body needs to keep doing what I've been doing. And I think sometimes we actually, you know, there's that fine line, right? You don't want to do too much, but you also want to do too little, you know? So you don't want to completely shut the kids down, but you always want to err on the side of eliminating fatigue with, with the kids and things like that. So to our point that we're making, you have to know your kids, you know, and you have to know at the level they're at. When you start talking about kids that play individual sports like track, like swimming, you know, like cross guy, I dealt with Amy Davis, you know, Amy's got a, uh, a run this, you know, tomorrow she still lifted yesterday. You know, it's not one of her bigger runs, you know, her, her long-term goal is, is a certain level. Um, so she lifted yesterday and that's the same way she was in high school. You know, even when she went to regionals, you know, she knew what her times were. She knew she was going to win the regional. So she still lifted the day before regionals, you know, sectionals. That's when we started to taper because we wanted to get a good time. So she would go to state. Okay. I had a diver, Ginger Lingard, four-time state champion. Her first two years, we handled different than her last two years. Okay. When she was a freshman, we really pulled her back, you know, before, um, you know, regionals and things like that. So she could perform while she ends up winning the state championship as a freshman. So the second year we added just a little bit more. Okay. And then her junior and senior year, we're like, we know where she's going to finish. So we're going to train her right up to that state meet. So she's fast. She's powerful, explosive. We had a great plan swimming. You know, I've seen it like that with track throwers, stuff like that. Um, so when you have individual sports, you know, within a team sport, cause obviously track, you're still trying you know, you guys are still trying to win a state championship with that. So it becomes more important that that individual performs just a little better. Because if you get six points versus four, that could be the difference between a state championship. And so if you're training those teams and you have both the team aspect of it as well as individual, you really need to know your kids because getting a lot of points at regionals may push your team into sectionals. And then you may have enough people at sectionals to push you to state, okay? Um, but if you're really solid and you feel like you're going to win a regional championship or things like that, train through that. And then when you get to sectionals, it's how many kids can we get to state? Cause as we know, Dean, you know, in, in those individual sports points are really hard to come by. And so you really have to take a, a different approach with individuals within those team sports that have individual competitions. Um, and you've done that for years with your kids so maybe share, Dean, you know, and, and we've all made mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. Maybe there were times that you did a little too much, you know, or, and then you learn, you learn from it. We all learn from it. Young strength coaches, you know, that's, um, that's the beauty of our profession is that you got to learn, you got to adapt, you got to know the things that work, know the things that didn't work and go from there. So maybe share with our listeners some of those examples, how you do it with those kind of individualized sports. Well, I'll give you an example here. When I was a younger coach, I would just read something out of a book, you know, talk about the tapering and, you know, what, about peak performance. And then I, and I emphasize, I would just tell the athlete what to do. And I noticed as I got older and I feel I grew as a coach and I got better as a coach, I found out that this isn't the way it, it's supposed to be. One, I'm not the one that has to perform. The athlete is the one that has to perform. So I soon figured out, you know what? 
myself, I have to communicate and have that relationship with the athlete on a day-to-day basis, find out what their body's feeling, find out what they're thinking as far as the mental part of it. And then we come together with a plan that best suits that athlete. And I think that's the biggest mistake I made is I just kind of guessed, wow, you know, textbook says, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We're going to cut the volume. We're going to go all fast. You know, we're going to, we're going to do less. And I've noticed with my athletes is that doesn't work for everybody. There's, there's not one size fits all there. So I found out, Hey, this person, they wanted to lift heavier. They wanted to have a harder workout because it gave them more confidence. And that's what their routine was. Just like you said, that was the routine. And that's gave them the confidence when they had to perform, they did the best that they could do. Other people are like, Hey, I need this day off. I need a couple of days off. I will perform much better that way. And I noticed once we work together, that made a big difference. You have to have the athlete have some say. It cannot just be coach saying, this is the way you're going to do it. It has to be coach and athlete working together. And, you know, Dean, I can share it, you know, from my experience, because it's a little higher level. Okay. So at the high school level, you're, you're really kind of locked down a little bit with time because your kids are in school 7.30 to 3.30 of practice, you know, from four to six. So you have small windows of time to get your kids in the weight room. Okay. And so a more, I don't want to say generalized because generalized, I think gives the wrong idea, but more of a general program where everybody in the team can do it. Now, you know, we talk about injuries that happen. Okay. And we could, we could do a whole podcast on, on strength training for injuries, but you know, you have to have a plan for your kids that are injured within that generalized program for your team okay when you start getting into a higher level okay and I don't really care if you're a football strength coach if you are a basketball strength coach volleyball in a team setting those programs in season need to be for the benefit of the athlete okay and you need to be able to address each individual guy and yeah I understand there's a hundred and some football guys okay in college you're going to eliminate at least half of them because they're going to be on a developmental program. Okay. You're going to have all your red shirts. You're going to have all your freshmen. You're going to have maybe your sophomores that aren't playing. Okay. Those kids, just so everybody knows, lift in a developmental setting. So you're eliminating probably half your players right there. So now you have 50 some players. Okay. In the college setting, you have four to five full-time strength coaches, division one level. You can't tell me that you cannot put together an individualized program for a small group of guys that all play the same position um, or each individual guy. And I can say this with confidence and if people get pissed, I don't care. I did it. Okay. Herbs did it when we were at Wisconsin. All right. Every single guy that played had their own little intricacies. Not were they a lot different? No, but the reason why our guys got stronger is because from Monday morning, okay, we lifted either Monday or Tuesday. The kids had the option. They could come in on Monday or Tuesday. They had to get their, their main lift in before 2.30 on Tuesday. From Monday morning, 6, or I'm sorry, 7.30, because we had our developmental lift at 6. From 7.30 to 4, 
and then from 7.30 until 2.30. I had groups of two, one, or three guys in the whole time, hour and a half, broke it up. So we could do their hour lift and we could do recovery work, whatever they needed for recovery, okay? And coaches at that level make enough money where you can spend that time and you don't all have to do it one, one guy. I'm not saying that the head strength coach needs to do that but you have resources at those levels, the levels up that you move, it has to be more specialized for the needs of the athlete. Okay. Kevin Zeitler had different needs than Gabe Karimi. Kevin Zeitler had a different need his junior year versus his sophomore year. Okay. Russell Wilson had a different need than Scott Tolzien from year to year. Okay, so I'm not just saying have a generalized program for a shortstop or a quarterback and then a generalized pro. I'm talking about something where I know exactly what that kid did last week and I know exactly what I want him to do this week in every single exercise. If you want to be great, you have to take that extra step when you start moving up in levels. Okay, and it's not okay to have in a college setting, in my opinion, 50 guys in a weight room at one time and everybody kind of walking around doing their own thing. You wonder why teams run out of gas and you wonder why you got the Ferrari engines winning national champions every other year. It's because the data they're collecting, the information they collect on their players, the individualization that they do. And so that's high level stuff that we're talking about. And again, at the high school level, Dean, you know as well as I do, all right, the more eyes, the better. Okay. And the more communication, the better. And you're doing what you feel like is the best for your team that year. I know from talking with you, since you've been at Kimberly, you've been there, what, 12, 13 years? 17. Well, I must not, have, we must not have communicated very good for the first five. Um, <laughs> but every year there's something different you're doing. You know, you could be lazy. You know, you could, you could show up, you know, five minutes and say, oh, you know, this is week seven from last week, last year, we're going to do week seven. No, because, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the schedule is different. Maybe you're playing a more physical team earlier in the year. Maybe you're playing back to back really physical teams and your kids get beat up and you got to make changes. Okay. Strength coaches, this is your time. Like this is your time to really shine and really give your kids what they deserve. Because just giving them what you did last year is not good enough. You know, and you have to be consistent, Brian, and your message throughout the whole year. And everything, you know, your practice plan for a sport coach, there's got to be a progression to it by the end of the year. So you're not panicking there in postseason. And we got to do this, this, and this, and this, and that. It, there's got to be a progression and a buildup to the overall plan to be at your best during postseason, and you have to be able to do that by minimizing some of the time. I think a lot of times other sport coaches will say, "Wow, we had a three-hour practice, but you know there was a you know forty-five minutes of standing around having film, doing all this." Hey, three hours to a high school kid is three hours. Right. They don't have to be running up and down, for example, a basketball court, but it's still three hours of their day where mentally they got to be there. So coaches don't think just because they're not running like crazy that it's, it's not mentally taxing on them. A three hours is three hours. 
So you, you hear that a lot from coaches too. Wow, they're really not doing much. You know, out of the three hours, they're really only going hard one hour. Then why do you have them there, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, another thing I think that's important is whatever you're preaching, say you're a coach and you're preaching, hey, we want you to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. When it comes to postseason, one thing that I've noticed that really works well is, okay, at postseason, we're going for championships. I always try to challenge every athlete and say, well, if, whatever you're getting for sleep, just try to get another 15 minutes more. Whatever you're doing for breakfast, just try to eat just a little bit more protein or make a little bit better choice. Or, hey, for lunch, you're having one vegetable, one fruit. Why don't you try to get maybe two vegetables, one fruit or vice versa? But just little bit of changes. You're drinking water and, you know, it's postseason or, or it's a hotter contest here at the end of the year, whatever it may be. Hey, just try to up your water intake a little bit more. Post-workout, what is your choice? Maybe you've been doing post-workout within 30 minutes of after your practice or your game, or have you been consistent with it? Do you do it four out of the seven days? Do you do it five? Do you do it six? And hey, what kind of calories are you getting in? Just try to make a little bit of a change, and that gives you a competitive advantage. I think too, Dean, we talked about those five things you can control, right? Your sleep, your breakfast, post-workout uh, recovery, hydration, positive screen time. So maybe it's not getting more time each day. Maybe you're looking at that and getting, you know, four out of the seven days a week. Um, I'm getting all five of these in. Let's try for five. You know, if you're getting seven and a half hours of sleep and you feel that that's, or you're getting eight hours of sleep, let's say you're getting a breakfast, you're getting, you're hydrating, um, you're getting positive screen time, you're getting your post-workout, your post-practice recovery four days out of the week. Let's add one more day. Let's get one more day and let's, let's really push for that. Um, because you know what happens, Dean, is all of a sudden the kids are like, I feel a little better. Guess what? Maybe you just won the first round of the playoffs. It's like, coach, man, I got five days this week instead of four. Guess what? What, what are you going to say to the kid? Try and get six next week. Always, always trying to get the tick just a little farther. Can we get just a little bit better next week? Can we do just a little bit more um, of the things that you're already doing? You know, I think that's, that's the thing too, Dean, is like, you know, if we're preaching that, you know, for all year, all the time, you know, it's not going to sound different to the kids then if it's like, okay, you know, we're in, you know, the, the elite eight here. Um, okay, guys, we need everybody to get eight hours of sleep. We need everybody to eat breakfast. Well, your kids are going to be like, geez, coach, like I'm just trying to get like to school and to get to bed right now and manage the stress because every level is more stressful for these kids, you know, because as a high school kid that any level in the playoffs for a handful of your kids could be their last time they ever set foot on that football field or on the volleyball court or the last time they ever run on that track. So we also have to remember the stress that's going through their head. I remember it when I was 18, every, every basketball game leading up to a state championship, a little more nervous. God, I wonder if it's the last time I'll put this Jersey on. God, I wonder if it's the last time my parents are going to watch me play. So we also have to remember that's going through a lot of your kids' heads. And so making sure 
that you have a consistent message year round makes it very easy when times are stressful, like the end of the season is to deliver that same consistent message because your kids have heard it all the time. These kids got to understand that, or coaches, I should say, really need to understand that kids want to have fun. And sometimes even as a sport coach, there's times where you have to read those individuals, read your team. And when things are getting stale, you got to throw something fun in there. Just remember, most of these athletes choose to go out for a sport to have fun with their friends, with their teammates. That's why they're there in the first place. Well, I just saw a stat that, you know, 7% of all high school athletes will move on and go to a college and do some kind of sport. So only 7%. So Philip Rivers just saw a nice Twitter thing on him. He just won his first high school yep. football coaching all right, job. He's got his first win as the head coach. And he mentioned right in the interview that some of his best memories have been when he was in high school. And this is a guy that's played, you know, had unbelievable success, played in the NFL for over a decade. And your high school memories are going to be huge for you. The other thing that I've witnessed is a lot of times things are getting stale. Many a times I've given kids off a day, just kind of sporadically. If I think things are starting to get stale and just say, hey, guys after school, go home today. Well, I practice on whatever, Monday, if it was a Friday practice. I found out that I got more out of those kids when we give them a day off, when they came back on Monday, they were more focused, more excited for practice. They were focused during the practice and they got more out of the practice by giving them a day off. And I know that's hard for sport coaches to do because you're just thinking, I got to do more. We got to get this in. We got to get that. But my experience doing this thing for 26 years, 27 years, is when you do that, kids get jacked up. I mean, think of what happens in the real world, right? Your your boss, you know, hey, we're all going to lunch or they surprise you with something. That fun becomes a big issue. You know, it's, it's like you're a kid again or, you know, hey, we're going to give you off here in the afternoon because everybody did a great job. You do that with your employees. You know, you're going to have a work situation where you're going to get together and you're going to have some pizza and you're going to talk about how to make the business better and, you know, get together and develop those relationships. So all of those things are important. The other individual aspect of it is I've had athletes that I've encountered that get so nervous the night before a game, they cannot get seven hours of sleep. Right. So here is where, you know, we have to put that C on our cap and we have to help that individual and maybe give them some tips, talk to that person individual and find out what can help them ease some of that anxiety so they can get a little bit more sleep the night before. I found out having just that conversation and say, well, what are you thinking the night before? Why can't you get to sleep? And you give them a few tips. Hey, I would try this or I would try that. They come back the next day and coach, I got three more hours of sleep. And just by having that conversation, made a big difference in how that person felt for that next, you know, day game contest, whatever. I think too, Dean, I think one thing that we've neglected here a little bit is for coaches that are, that are new in their program. Okay. We're talking about, you know, teams winning championships. 
and athletes winning championships and sectional finals and stuff like that. What about our coaches, Dean, that are taking over a new program that maybe there was no discipline, there was no consistency, there was no leadership, servant leadership that we talk about. This right now, this your first in season is going to lay the groundwork for what you're going to do for however many more years you're there. Okay. If you're going to change the culture, you have to change it with consistency, consistent messages, consistent um, expectations, things like that. And we all know that typically if a coach, you know, if you're taking over for a coach that's lost his job, typically there's problems there. So you have to bring in a culture of, having discipline and consistency. You may not win a lot of games, okay? You may not win a lot of games, but if you're trying to build a program, your first in season is going to be the one that really, you know, gets your program off the ground. And you may have to train harder than you would normally. You may have to understand that if you're a football coach, you're gonna play nine games. But then you know what? You gotta use that as a positive and with, the, with your kids and be like, look, everybody else is playing, we're training. We're getting a jump start on them. So how can you turn those, you know, rough situations into positives? And so I, I just want to shoot that message out to some of our coaches out there because we've gotten a couple coaches message us, hey, I'm taking over a new program. You know, how do I do this? Hey, the first thing you have to do is with discipline, consistency, and the last word that Steve Jones talked about is love. You have to love those kids. You have to love the kids that have come back to the program, you know, with, a, with new leadership things like that. It's got to be genuine. And you have, I just really believe that, that if you're starting a new program, okay, you got to build it with consistency and discipline and understand that over the long course of time, that's, what's going to build your program. You know, mental toughness to me, Brian, as far as a coach is being able to admit that we can improve our program. And to ask questions when you don't know. Don't try to fake it. A lot of younger coaches nowadays, they'll just kind of go out there and they just try to go out and just do something. And they don't ask other coaches on staff. And you have to be asking questions constantly. And I think the mental toughness approach is, you know, I we don't know everything. Coaches don't know everything, but you have to ask reach out because there's so many great coaches out there and I don't care what level they're at, but everybody is seeing the same thing and has the best interest of all the athletes that you just have to get everybody's opinion and ask. There's never a dumb question when it comes to helping athletes become the best version of themselves. And by you saying nothing, by you not doing anything, to me, as a coach, you are mentally weak not to admit that, hey, I don't know this and I need to ask because we talk about growth mindset all of the time yep. and you have to ask people. Trying to fake it doesn't work nope. and it's not what's best for the program and it's not what's best for the athlete. And your athletes can tell if you don't know because you're going to send different messages at different times. Dean, I just got to say, you and I got to be two of the most mentally tough people 
walking the face of the earth because the amount of questions we ask each other on a daily basis. But I think I can use that. I mean, I've been at the highest level and I learned a ton over this last year from you and it's totally changed how we do our speed work. I mean, we're, you know, we're doing a lot of the same stuff for many years and having a lot of success, but just by asking questions, understanding, and now our kids are benefiting from it. And conversely, our business businesses benefit because the better your kids do in the private sector, obviously the more people that want to train with you. But I think from a sport coach's standpoint, you know, learn your X's and O's, learns that stuff. If you have questions in the weight room, ask your strength coach. You know, I know my guys ask me, you know, our guys at Sports Advantage, we have such an open dialogue about, hey, I saw this exercise on your on your page, you know, and it's not, I'm going to use it. It's why were you using it? Why did you have, you know, that girl using a cambered bar versus the girl next to her using a safety squat bar? And Talk, you know, that's, that's the growth mindset that we're talking about here, Dean. Well, I think uh, we've hit, we've hit a lot of topics here and I think the main thing, and I'm going to let you kind of finish up with some thoughts here in a sec. The main thing coaches is understand you have to know your athletes. We've talked about this and you have to control the volume, control the fatigue level, and you have to take some stuff out, keep the meat and potatoes in. All right. And make sure that your kids are firing on all cylinders. Dean, Anything you want to share before we wrap up here? I just want to thank all of our listeners out there because we've been getting a lot of phone calls and texts. And, and when we started talking about this in-season training and, you know, our jobs as coaches are very difficult. And, you know, we need to have mentors and we need to have people to talk to because the evolution of strength training and helping athletes become the best version of themselves and decrease injuries and increase athletic performance is constantly evolving at such a fast rate. And it's great to have this dialogue with the coaches. Uh, the one thing I will try to ask is, uh, you know, just been back with our high school athletes. They've been just watching, listening to these podcasts and, and they are just thanking me and thanking you for giving back because they are learning a lot of things that um, they are using for themselves to help them become better. And that's what it's all about. I think there's so much information out there, Brian, but we can give all this information, but to our athletes out there and to our coaches and our parents, please take this information and then make it yours to help you become better. And every situation is different. So I just want to thank all those coaches. Thanks to our listeners. If you can please spread the word, I think that's great. That's why we do this podcast is for all of you to help you become and have a competitive advantage over your opponents. And I think too, Dean, as a coach, um, you know, we've all been the young coach, okay, that wanted to gain knowledge, all right? And, and you know, this last week, I've gotten four messages from different coaches and I respond to them as soon as I can within 24 hours. And if you're an experienced coach and a young coach reaches out to you and asks some questions and you don't respond, Guess what? You're you want to try and big league them? You're not hurting that coach. You're just looking like an asshole. Okay, respond, respond, respond to a, to a coach because you're not really hurting the coach. Okay, you're hurting his athletes. Okay, and if you're really in it to help the athletes, there's no secrets. 
And like, if I sent a message out to a coach, he doesn't respond. Guess what? I'm going to find somebody that will. Okay. So again, excuse my language, everybody, but at the end of the day, like that, things like that really bother me because this profession that I love, okay, is about helping young people. All right. And however we can help them, getting them stronger, mentally tougher, teaching them about diet, teaching them about, you know, growth mindset, things like that. Everything that Dean and I do and, and so many other incredible coaches on his podcast are to help young people to put them into the world because we need a lot more really good young people coming into the workforce, coming into the world, you know, doing good things in this world. Okay. So if you're a coach and, and a young coach reaches out to you for help, give them a call, shoot them an email, set up a 15 minute time to FaceTime them. What, like none of us are that busy that we can't do that to help a young coach out. Okay. And again, young coaches, you call me whenever you want. Okay. Cause there's no secret. Um, you know, you have to, you know, even if you take exactly what Dean says or exactly what I say, you still have to run it in your facility on, on what you do. Okay. Um, just a quick shout out to the Fox Valley throws uh, new session starting in September. Correct. Coach Manchi. September and October are the fall sessions every Sunday, 10 o'clock to 1130. Fire it. Okay. Um, and then we got, you know, sports advantage. We got a ton of our kids coming for our in-season work and things like that. Um, like Dean said, please, please share the show. Um, coaches, you know, now that you guys are back in school, one of the things that our, our schools do is, is they share it for gym class. And we actually have questions off each individual podcast that kids have to answer. You can do it for extra credit. Um, things like that, just from a growth mindset, you know, anybody athlete or not parent or not can, can grow from our show. So this three-part series on in-season training, hopefully you learned a lot. Hopefully you got a lot out of it. Uh, we enjoy doing it because again, it's really why kids play. Okay. Is that in season. And so we have to do our part as strength coaches, making sure that the kids get the best opportunity possible. We will see you next. Oh, we got a great guest coming next, right? Dean, we're not going to share that, but we got to, we got a, we got a big, big guest coming next time. All right. We will see you next time. Chop it.